It all begins with this gate drop. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to the Power to the Ground podcast. I am Steve, joined as always by Jesse. What's up, man? Oh, man, I cannot wait to get into some of this team and power ranking stuff. Looking forward to the season. Slow down. Sorry. Slow down. Sorry. Slow down. Sorry. Slow down. No, it's going to be really exciting. We got a really good episode. So uh, if you're enjoying it, subscribe, share with your friends, and uh, let's do some spots. What's up, guys? Steve here. Thanks for listening to the Power to the Ground podcast, the dirt bike podcast that looks to revolutionize the media in motocross and supercross. We upload the podcast every Sunday at 4, and you can listen on all of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also check us out at www.power2theground.com, where you can find merch, giveaways, and exclusive web content. And if you want to join the conversation on Facebook, you can take part in weekly polls, and don't forget to share with all of your rider buddies. Now, back to the podcast. Before, keep your, keep your, keep your clothes on, keep your pants on. All before right. we get into team lineups and previews and power rankings and all that fun stuff, we have some interesting news coming out of the sport today. Well, the news did not come out today. We are recording today. Um, so this is the first time we've had a chance to talk about it. The big one, we've... Mentioned a few times on this podcast the absolute debacle that was the uh, Christian Craig suspension and that whole situation was just an absolute mess. He went. We talked about last week how he had gone to arbitration and the courts and all that. Well, just a few days ago, via his Instagram, Christian Craig officially announced his suspension was lifted. And it, I'm sorry, will be lifted December 31st. He'll be back for Supercross this year. I am so happy to hear this. For very many reasons, not the least of which, um, I think Christian Craig is a very good rider, and I think he is a welcome, welcome addition to the pool of riders that will be competing in the 250 class. Um, but I am also happy that he stuck it to the man. Well, that's what it is, man. This was this was the riders versus the FIM, or yeah. The, you know, their, their doping agency or whatever, anti-doping agency. And uh, in this case, the rider won, um, which has not – of the four big ones that we know of, like Stewart and uh, Brock Tickle, and um, I don't remember the fourth one, but uh, this is really the first time that the rider came out on top. Yep. You know, he said, you guys completely mishandled this. You guys absolutely jacked this up, and this, is, this was an absolute farce, so you're going to let me race. And they waved the white flag. They did it. So happy, dude. So, so uh, happy. his actual Instagram post, just so we can – the F oh sorry wrong one ah there it is let's go racing I could not be happier to announce that I was able to accomplish what I had hoped at the court of arbitration for sport in Switzerland my suspension will now be lifted on December 31st which is a win I can't even describe pretty uh, speechless and incredibly grateful for the people around me kind of does his thanks stuff and um, you know he said they wanted me to throw on the towel he never did and obviously he wouldn't have gotten a chance to race at all this year had he just done that so right um but he also was uh, asked he, to, he would have had a chance he just would have missed the first half the of first it. half of the season um a chance to compete is really what yeah. i was getting at um and then the next post the fim has requested that i clarify that the decision to reduce my sanction was pursuant to a settlement agreement that was reached at the uh with the fim so he they settled out of the out of the court of arbitration um, they wanted him to clarify that, so you know they, they, they're they're going to try to save face as much as possible yeah. on this whole thing. Yeah, they would. They're an organization that is just terribly run, and it's becoming more and more clear that they are terribly run. And there's a lot of people, even who are fans of the sport, who just can't stand the way that they do stuff. So it would make sense that they would try to appease those people as much as possible. Um, that's about all. That's about all I got for that. Just really good news, you know. Yeah. I wanted to make sure we talked about it a little bit. Good for him. Uh, best of luck to him. And you know what? I'm actually even kind of rooting for him a little bit now yeah, this year. Just, I am just too. To kind of. I just like hope his year just gets that much better. You know, like. And that Honda team just got even uh, more stacked than it already. To, is. We are going to get to that Honda team. That 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 250 team is so <laughs> stacked. Um, but speaking of 250s, or in this case, no longer being on a 250, it has happened. The impossible has finally happened after years and years of waiting. Davalos is finally going to be in a 450 Good this year. Lord. Oh, my goodness. Do they even do they make walkers for dirt bikes? I don't know. I, I, I think he's going to. I mean, they have like, do we have sponsors on his, on his, uh, on his diapers? depends. <laughs> depends. 
I'm sorry. That's rude. Martin Martin's a good dude, and he's a, he's a good writer, obviously. But he's just been on 250 for way, way too long. Yeah. Um, it was time, and you know, there it is. So it's official. He is actually going to be on a four. And so he actually raced. Uh, was it Switzerland? There was a there was a international Supercross event recently that he raced on a 450, and he was he went down in a corner, but he was a, he was killing it uh, on the 450. So it actually looks like. If he can get used to, you know, having a little bit more power under him and putting yep. it under control, he might actually. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to compete for like, you know, with some of these to- other top guys, but yeah. um, I, he could make some weight. He might be one of those guys that can like come in and steal a win on a weekend and kind of throw a wrench in the kind of the standings. You know, like I don't think he'll be consistently on the podium, personally, uh, but. I think he's got it in him to have like a couple of nights where you're just like, where is this guy coming from? Yeah. And just, you know, steal a win out from like Tomac or someone and throw a wrench at the championship. Yeah. I, I'm not sure that that's going to happen. I feel like Davalos is, uh, he's one of those guys where age actually got a hold of him as recently as just a couple of years ago. If sure. you think back like three, four years ago, Davalos is one of those guys you, like his name was in the mix pretty often. Um, he would steal wins. He would, he, he would, kick people off of the podium you don't think he's got you don't think he's got one or two in him because i i, How old I remember is he? saying the same thing about like chad reed yeah you know and like he was just he was so past his prime and he was just like and i'm not talking about the past few right. years i know the last few years have been different but do you remember there was a season we were watching we were like where is this coming from he just <laughs> he rattled off like two or three wins and podiums like for the first half of the season like what the hell is yeah. going on he's back is he back right now and then he just kind of yeah, what's that? Fell back off at the, the to, end of the, the season. Toby Keith song. I'm not as good as I once that, was. Well, that's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. Right? I feel like Davalos could has the talent and the experience to to maybe just one or two races this whole season throw a wrench in things. Yeah, I, I, it's a. I think it's a completely different argument for for Davalos just because he he passed. I think he passed his prime already. Or still being on a 250 for him to. How old is he? We're talking about this guy like he's ancient. I know he, he's, but he's he's in his late twenties, right? No, he's older than that. Okay, he's thirty-two. All right, it made me sad because we're talking about this guy like, and he's, that's how he's old. old. That's all we are, right? So <laughs> he's thirty-two, him. and he's been how long has he been on a two fifty? He probably came up seventeen, eighteen. Oh jeez, I don't know. You're making me dig now. I wasn't ready for these. I wasn't ready for all these questions. The point is, <laughs> he's been on a two fifty for longer than a decade. I'm sure. Turn pro in 2006. <laughs> That's a long time. It's a long time to stay on the 250. I think that's kind of the big, big thing. Um, yeah, that's that's best a long career time, yeah. season result is second place in 2014. Yeah, uh, he was fourth last year in the 250 East. So no, and look, I'm not. This isn't like groundbreaking, earth shattering. Like, oh my god, the 450s are just wide open now because Martin Davalos is coming up. I just, right. I thought it was interesting because it's been a long time coming. For one, and two, I do think he is a talented rider that if he can just find his spark for one night, can 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 make some interesting things happen. But for the most part, I think he's just going to be back in the pack. Yep, agreed. So uh, that is it for news. All right, and today in the news, so we uh, uh, jumping oh, into team uh, team Tedder. Yeah, he was signed. Sorry, uh, we had this segue set up so perfectly. And yeah, I we just did. bungled it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I dropped good. the ball. <laughs> the segue is like speaking of team lineups. Uh, team Tedder KTM is who signed Martin Davalos. And speaking of team lineups, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So he mo- he's changing colors. He's That's- changing. He is changing colors. He's going to be on a KTM. Gotcha. Um, they have. They do have factory support too. So uh, that's going to be good for him as well. Nice. The more the more factory teams we can get, man, the better. I agree. Yeah, we've definitely talked about that. So, speaking of teams, Let's there's your segue. Here we go. We're going to talk about some of the team lineups um, as we kick off our final off-season podcast episode before the actual season. Anaheim 1 is just a couple weeks away. We're getting so close. I am so excited. I am so excited. I cannot wait. I cannot wait, especially since I have a prediction that I think you guys aren't ready for. All right. So let's uh, let's uh, let's dive into the one that I want to talk about most first, and that is this Honda team. Let's do it. All right. So <laughs> this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. All right. <laughs> like if this was just like. This could be like a top five point standings at the end of a 250 season. Yeah. Like, so 
so we'll, we'll we'll dive into 450s first, which is actually the 450s I'm pretty excited about too because my man Brayton's back. Yes, so Brayton is filling in for the now retired Cole Sealy. We yep. talked about that a little bit, um, jumping up there with his boy Ken. Yep, we got obviously Ken Roxon, um, who is a, a another awaited I, man. I, I I'm feeling Honda this year. I'm am, I'm feeling red. I'm feeling red this year. As he wears an, I'm orange wearing hoodie. an orange. I'm wearing an orange hoodie, but I'm feeling pretty red right now. I no, I I mean just run down the line. Here, run right. down the line, and we'll talk about why that is ridiculous. On four fifties, we've got Ken Roxon and Justin Brayton. On two fifties, all right. Here we got Jeremy Martin coming back from the big big injury, where a lot of us thought he was never going to walk again. I, yeah, which is why before you continue, I wouldn't put too too much stock in Jeremy Martin like making big waves just yet. He's gonna need some time to come. Still back. glad he's back. Though. Absolutely, I'm better. The sport is better with him racing than without him racing. Christian Craig, who is back? Who is back? Yes, uh, Joe Shimoda. <laughs> so sure, <laughs> um, Joe Shimoda. I, I'm gonna have to do some digging on him, but I believe Joe Shimoda is somebody who. Um, Jet was just competing with. Did he do the straight rhythm? Did he do the straight rhythm? Because that name sounds really familiar. I'm gonna have to do some digging right, on him. So I don't know. We'll, we'll I don't back. know him very well. So, yeah. um, so we got we got Joe Shimoda, Shimoda, and then we've got the Lawrence brothers. Oh my god! So there are just oh oh hang on, and who? Is now a co-owner of this team, Ryan Dungey. There oh, yeah. are just oh yeah of Honda of Honda. That's right. No, nope. You're right. I remember that. Oh man. So there are just there are just there's it's stories. Oozing, it's oozing with it's talent. Oozing, that team is oozing with talent. And right not now. only that, but stories too. You've got Ken Roxon coming back from from the big injuries, and he's make he's emerging Making as strides. one of the top. Right. You've got Justin Brayton coming back, back into freaking American professional racing. I mean, he's been racing in Canada now for a couple of years, I believe. Um, you've got the two the the two Lawrence brothers, Jet and Hunter, which I'm super super excited to follow. They're gonna push each other. Yeah, to I know. points that I don't like. They're both obviously showing that they've been incredibly fast on their own. Yeah, but watching them compete, like, dude, how mad did Hunter get when you started like egging him on about Jet on Instagram, dude? Like he was like, oh, you could <laughs> tell he was getting so frustrated. Like I'm tired of hearing about my brother. I'm right. faster. Urgh. So they're gonna push the crap out of each other, which might spell disaster for the entire rest of the class. Right. And then you've got Jeremy Martin coming back from a huge injury, you, and you've got Christian Craig who just smacked the man. I'm in. I'm, I, yo, I, I Jesse want, is Team Honda this year. I am year. Team Honda this year. And then we've got some uh, some smaller teams um, where we've got Malcolm Stewart, Vince Freezy. Um, is it me or Justin does Hill? Malcolm look surprisingly fast lately? Yeah. Uh, actually, Malcolm it has been a big talking point. Um, in, at least online. I, yeah, at least, the, yeah the, online in some in forums. So... Um, so Malcolm has been racing internationally. Um, he did uh, a Canadian. He did a Canadian Supercross. He did an Australian Supercross, and Malcolm has just been on fire. So I'm really excited. Malcolm is one of those guys I've been waiting to just take the next step. Um, apparently, has been spending some time uh, training with his brother as of late, which. Uh, You'd think has been a long-standing thing. It's not. It's not. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, so he's been some time. Spent some time with Bubba, training, and man, I'm excited to see him I, too. I'm, yeah. I'm about I, to. Uh, is it? Is this sweater? Is this sweatshirt turning red? It's like it's like changing red in front of me as this we speak. Crazy. The more you talk, I, so Malcolm is one I'm on board with. I I really want to see him do well. Um, I think he deserves it at this point. And you're right. We've just been waiting for him to kind of like when he first started racing, it was kind of this whole like, oh, it's 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 Bubba's younger brother. And, he, you know, he's going to push him kind of like we're saying with the Lawrence brothers. And we thought that was going to happen. And it just never really 
came to fruition. So to see how much success he's been having and how fast he looks, man. We watched uh, Monster Energy Cup. Nice catch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm throwing stuff at Jesse. He's catching it without even looking. Um, we watched him at uh, Monster Energy Cup. Yep. He looked fast. He looked really good. It definitely did not look like the Malcolm Stewart that I was used to re- watching. Yeah, he's he looks competent. Give me that back. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, he looks competent. Com- com- oh, I thought you said confident. He no, looks confident com- too. Yeah, he does look confident. But um, one thing that I've never felt about Malcolm is his competency on a bike. He has yeah. always looked like he is just winging it. You know what it looked like to me? It always just looked like he was never comfortable. It always looked like it was just very forced. Like there was just like, like the way he rode, he just didn't look like he was comfortable on the bike. Right. Um. So yeah, until until this, you know, the Monster Energy Cup. I was like, wait a second, who is this? Who is this dude with the same name as Malcolm Stewart? Because that is not the Malcolm Stewart that I'm used to watching. So right. Definitely excited to see him this year. That'll be interesting. And maybe, maybe, maybe he throws in a little wrench or two we here. Or there, never know? know that. And that's been that has been the talk with Malcolm. Is people just say keep saying he looks so fast. He's looking so JS seven esque. We're, we're gonna we're gonna get more into like individual riders when we get into the uh, power rankings in yep. the second half. So let's continue with the team lineups. All right. So uh, I'm doing my best to pull these team lineups because there hasn't been very many announcements. But we'll jump into Suzuki. Um, We've got the uh, the JGRMX Yoshimura Suzuki um, on 450s. We've got Joey Savachi. Yeah. Okay. And we've got Alex Martin. Okay. Okay. So right. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Alex Martin's on 250. Apologize for that. Yeah, that's what you said, right? That's what I said. It is yeah. what I said. Um, yeah, it doesn't feel like there's a lot going on there. Not a lot yeah, going not, on. Not as much to get. Not nearly as much as uh, Honda to get excited about. You right. Know? Yeah, and is Suzuki. That's kind of become their mo. Not a lot to get excited about. Bikes, riders, everything. <laughs> yeah, it feels like they've you know they've falling off. Yeah, for, for sure. We've got you know we've got other riders. We've got um, Dakotas, who is uh, um, he's a local hero of ours. Um, we've got Freddie Norin. You know nothing too exciting going on with uh, with um. Yeah, uh, with uh, Suzuki. So that's your Suzuki lineup. Let's see if I can pull some some Yamaha stuff here. Again, this is like pulling Barsha. teeth. So here's the funny thing. Uh, Barsha has been getting some some talk recently too. Yeah. Um, he was the uh, king of Paris in the Paris right. uh, kind of super Yeah, this actually a lot of just in- interesting point. A lot of these riders have been spending time doing international races during this time in between the outdoor and indoor. Without knowing the actual reason and just like kind of off the top of my head, the two reasons I would say personally, I would think that they were doing it is one, international riders are faster, so they get better practice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But two, it's more just staying consistent and staying on the bikes. This is the longest layoff they have between outdoors back into the supercross season right. so i think maybe just staying consistent staying on the bike keeping that comfort level that confidence level so that's you know you and i have talked ad nauseum in our conversations about confidence and how important it have confidence in, is important in any sport you can usually tell when a team is feeling good about itself and when a team is not feeling good about itself right in this sport especially as an individual performance sport confidence is paramount like it is key which is why we both think that Eli has had tr- trouble putting it away. He starts to doubt himself because he's just constantly throwing it away when he's had a chance to kind of make some things happen. Um, so I think that maybe riding internationally in the off season is a way to keep your confidence up if you're feeling good or to build your confidence if it has been kind of down with something like maybe Barsha is doing, you know, like right. he, he kind of started to flash back again. I'm like, wait a second, is Barsha back? And then no, okay, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> but... He has been getting a little bit of, uh, you know, lip service around the community, just talking about how he's he's been really putting in some some rounds and looking good. So I'm doing some more digging here, just trying to find some finalized team lineups, and it just doesn't look like there's a whole lot going on. Um, we've got a little bit of 
Well, we got the SGB Maxis Babbitts Kawasaki team announces five riders for 2020. Again, it's a great thing that we have more factory backed teams jumping into this. Um, this one, we've got Alex Ray, AJ Catanzaro, Jeremy Smith, Jordan Jarvis. Um, so, see. well, let's 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 quickly go over the, some of the ones we know. Obviously. Cowie yeah. is very likely the favorite as far as teams. If you were just like four fifties, you know, yeah. The four fifties, um, if you were to just say which teams are the strongest, never mind riders, it's it's obviously Kawasaki, I think, right now. Between I well, maybe not obviously, but for me, you between would think. Eli Tomac and Adam Santarulo, I, I think you're you're talking about probably the strongest overall team. Right. Um, for 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 four fifties, for, for, for sure. For sure. Um so or, you want to jump into team team strengths here? The OEMs, since there there is really the the there hasn't been any of many official announced finalized teams. Yeah, here. and well, so my my question, I guess, is you know, I guess the answer is no. Is has Marvin's replacement for the for the season? Been I haven't, but seen, I haven't it. seen anything yet there. So right now it's just Koopa. Um, yeah, I mean, we can talk about we can talk about OEMs if you want, and then get into individual rankings in the uh, in the second half. Yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. So. so Interestingly enough, it is not Kawasaki that's ranked number one on this article that I pulled up for the power rankings. Yep. I'm on uh, supercrosslive.com. What do you got? That's the one I'm on. All right. So number one is KTM. Yeah. Which is weird. So when did this come out? Oh. It's after the Marvin injury. Yeah. So they're still putting KTM at number one. Now, obviously, you're taking into account everything. Right. Um, Like Cooper Webb just won the championship. Right. But they're also missing one of their best riders. Right. Which some of these other teams are not. Um, I mean, phew, they, they got, do have they the, got they got Davalos up on a four fifty now. So I mean, I'm sure that helps their power ranking. But they still bit. have the reigning champion, though. They do have the reigning champion. So that fair. All right, reigning champion gets some consideration. Um, although I was not impressed with Cooper in the outdoors. Not that that's going to have a bearing on Supercross, no. but it just it just feels like some of that momentum that would have been built up. But we've we've seen that with Anderson and some of the other champions yep. in the past too. And it was something that Cooper actually addressed. In the in the outdoor is season. that all right? Tangent. Yep. What happened to the days of a rider taking the momentum from a championship and using it to absolutely own his competition in the very next championship? What happened to the days of Dungey going indoor, outdoor, indoor, outdoor? Screw you! And Villapoto going indoor, outdoor, indoor, outdoor, indoor. Maybe a little bit of a break. Indoor, outdoor, indoor. <laughs> like, do you you know what I'm talking about? Like, and the, we don't have this like dominant and. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, right? Because parity is good. New champions are good, but then again, it's not really much parity when Eli's won four outdoors in a row. You can't put together an indoor one, right? My point being, I was hoping that after a Supercross championship, which is awesome, good on Cooper Webb from won won the big one, um, to not carry that momentum into the outdoors and like you know really push Eli and and maybe you know jeopardize his string. Um, is it to is it to where the emphasis is so much on Supercross that he just didn't care about outdoors? Because I I think that's unfortunate if that's the case. I would rather see Cooper come off of a Supercross championship and use that momentum to push Eli. We would have had a way better outdoor season if that was the case. Yeah, uh, my uh, I would I would answer your question with a question. Do you think Cooper Webb is the best rider out there? No. All right. So let's move on. <laughs> well, I mean, he wasn't <laughs> Supercross last year. Yeah. So okay, here we go again. Semantics. Best? No. Eli's the best. Right. Um, he was the most consistent. He won the most championship points. That should be. That should give you a lot of confidence and momentum to to push it. Instead, he was just like, ah, well, you know, I put a lot of effort into the super season. Oh, I'm gonna oh, let's dial it, it in. Yeah. Let's, let's, Get ready for Supercross. Right. Yep. And it's just like, well, hold on. Like <laughs> that's a lot of time before All you right. get to race Supercross let's, next year. Let's save this for the individuals. At no. The end. No. No. I just it just <laughs> makes me mad. Yeah. I just I want to see these guys push. On both a little bit more, yeah, and carry the momentum. Look, more. they are they're long seasons. Both of them are long seasons. Of course, and you get what? Do, I mean, when did the when did outdoor end? The end of August, or was yes. it September? I don't remember. Basically, <laughs> basically, they've got four months off a year, and they're racing the other eight eight months. I want it's a, a job where I get four months off a year. Yeah. First of all, second of all, um, if fitness and technology and nutrition and all this stuff is way way better now than it was 20, 30 years ago, then why were riders more able to do it back then than they are now? There's more competition now. 
I mean, yes and no. It, I guess and it depends on the era you era you're looking at. But that's I so that's my my point and we're we're going to get out of this. I'm sorry. We yeah. you, you got me on a tangent now. Yeah, sorry. That's my point. It's not about it if Cooper went from Supercross Championship and then pushed Eli and Eli pushed him and then Eli won or Roxon won or someone else won, then I'd be like, "Yeah, okay, that's because there's just a lot of really good riders." Cooper didn't show up for outdoors. Right. Um Nobody except for Eli showed up for outdoors, <laughs> and so my point is not that um, it, it's not it's not a parody thing. Parody is good. I want parody. I want riders pushing each other. I want riders to not take time off when they should be racing. That's yeah. what we're watching for. So <laughs> maybe, yeah, if I, they're injured, that's different. If there's if there's a legitimate reason, and look. Who am I to tell Cooper what to do? Like, yeah, he's fine. a professional racer. He's a professional yeah. racer. I just, I think as a fan, it would have been far more exciting to see him use his momentum and just carry into the outdoor season and him and Eli go at it for a whole outdoor season too and then take your four months off. Yeah. Is it a generational thing? Might be. Think he's just a lazy millennial? No. <laughs> Us millennials. Oh, <laughs> so lazy. No, I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just a different mentality now. Maybe they just. That well, the, the the difference between indoor outdoor has gotten so deep that they are starting to look at outdoor is just off season. It is practice. I, that definitely has a big part of it. It's I mean, exhibition for them. Yeah, we we've talked about this. A rider can a, a rider can make in one race in Supercross what he makes in a, an entire season in uh, in motocross. Right. So. If you're talking about it just from a money standpoint, you're not talking about it just from a racing mentality where I'm a I'm a racer and I need to win. You're just talking about it from an, an earnings potential. It's not a whole lot of incentive. It's there. not a whole lot of incentive for the outdoor. They're 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 putting the onus on succeeding in the thing that is going to make, make them the most the money. Most, most money. No, and I, and I get that, but that's what I guess that that's where I get angry. So call me an idealist, but. I, I want to see the purity of the competitors. Like when you when you're, we had this conversation way back, way way back, when LeBron went to Miami. Yeah, and I was like, how are you gonna go, and join the competition? Um, and the same thing happened when Kevin Durant went to Golden State. I was like, dude, what do you? They're already like champions. They're already the best team, and you're gonna be the one of the best players in the league and go join them. For me, and I was looking like Jordan would never do that. Now he had a stacked team. I'm not just, but the idea was he. The ideal in me says he was a competitor. He didn't look at the competition and say, "Ooh, I should join them so I can win." He's like, "No, I'm going to go through them to win." Right. So, the ideal, innocent, naive child in me wants to say, "Man, Cooper's a professional racer. He should want to go out there and race." You just want a Supercross championship, dude. Carry the go win an outdoor. Go win an outdoor. Go take Eli's crown on the outdoor and really crush his spirit really crush his spirit because you already did in the indoor again you know getting fired up yeah sorry that's all right this is this is <laughs> a you, huge but change you, but, but you but you know but you know what i'm talking about yeah like, I, I just, know exactly what you're talking about there is about. the business it's, side of things that you have to and it's unfortunate it really is and if if there was any any type of consistency between the two the two um let's sports if there, the basically, <laughs> yeah. If there was any consistency between between the two of them, you could squash that easily. You know, even if they, if they were both owned by Monster, or if they were both owned by Red Bull, or if Red Bull and Monster came together and had an energy drink baby, and owned both of them together. It was yeah. You're right. It's just a different sport. It's absolutely a different sport. I've come down. I'm sorry. I came down a little bit. That's okay. Fired That's up. okay. It's getting closer to racing, so uh, we apologize. Is, I'm just yeah. so excited for this season. To start. Yeah, I mean, we're <laughs> a couple of weeks out. We're a couple of weeks out. We finally have racing to talk about. Um, <laughs> Wrapping up. All right, let's do this. So we KTM was number one. Kawasaki was number two. Obviously. I, I think I would have put Kawasaki number two. Interestingly, that puts Honda at number three. And, you know, Kawasaki basically gets number two because they have two champions at this point. Yeah, you know, I, I, I really. Well, I'm sorry. They have a champion and Eli Tomac. So, yeah, so you've got. Honda, yeah, a champion in Eli Tomac, yeah. So then you've got Honda at number three, you've got Yamaha at number four, you got Husky at number five, and Suzuki at number six. By default. By default. Like, because there's there was no a seven, they would be at seven. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, so 
do you agree with this? Obviously, no. What is? Let me. What is? What is your lineup? Give me your one through six. My one through six would go, Cowie, number okay. one. Uh, I think they have just the most overall talent and speed. Um, ooh, I think I think without Marvin, KTM for me drops to three and Honda goes to two. Okay. I think we just talked about how solid Honda's lineup is through 450, 250, all of it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Roxon, I right now, this se- coming season, I would bet on Roxon over Cooper Webb. So that for me, that puts Honda above KTM. So Kawasaki, Honda, KTM, and then really the rest is irrelevant, irrelevant at this point because I don't think any of them are going to make a difference. I mean, Jason Anderson might give Yamaha, uh, Husky a boost over Yamaha and switch those, but also Barja's look really good. So just the, those top three I would switch is it'd be Kawahani, KTM. What are yours? Um, mine would be um, Kawi, Honda, KTM, Husky, Yamaha, Suzuki. So, yeah, exactly. So basically basically, basically the same thing. Um, I think Husky has, in the 450 class, I think Husky has the um, – the lineup with Anderson and Osborne over Barsha and who else do they have on Yamaha? I was just looking at it too. I don't remember. I don't know. So that probably answers the question there. Yeah, but I I think uh, I think both I think both Osborne and Anderson are both stronger riders than Barsha, which hurts me to say because I love Barsha. We'll see. We'll see how he looks this year, yeah. and we'll you know we, we'll see how Anderson looks too. Yeah. So that's interesting. But that, like I said, I think. I said the same thing. You could probably switch Husky and Yamaha. I don't think it. I, I for me, those are like four A, four B. That's pretty deep. That's yeah. pretty deep to start getting into outlines beneath beneath uh, numerical values. <laughs> yeah, they're, just, they're both fourth place for me. I think I could take either one behind those yeah. other three. They just uh, the the bottom three really just. Yeah. Our top three are pretty are, are lined up probably for the same reasons, right? Yeah. I, I think if Marv was racing, I would have kept ktm at number two above of honda for personally i well that's for me now you're talking about marvin and cooper webb yeah as opposed you know honda has roxon and brayton's good but to me i gotta be honest marvin on or off the team doesn't change my my standing that is rude That is so, gonna hurt Marvin like that. That's um, doesn't matter. He's yeah. not racing. Yeah. It doesn't. KTM is third. Um, let's have some fun and talk about the individual power rankings right after this break. Hey guys, just a heads up. So towards the end of the podcast, you're gonna hear uh, uh, Jesse's mic kind of drop out a little bit. Um, you can still hear him. It's unfortunately gonna be a little bit in the background, and uh, we <clears throat> just ran into issues one more time. This is something that you know we talk about at the end of the podcast. We need your help to keep this thing going and growing. Um, we're going to get a new setup, and we're going to make everything work the way that we absolutely need it to work. Um, but you guys can help help do that when you know when you go onto the website and do your sharing and all that stuff. So when we come back in 2020, we're going to come back strong on these technical issues. Will not be an issue. Thanks, as always, for listening, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Individual power rankings. These are always so much fun. Yes, they are. Um, so... I believe, so you said we're on the same page, right? Supercross Live put together a panel of 75 people ranging from past Supercross champions and experts in the industry voted on who should be ranked in the top 10, both classes. They also did the OEM rankings we were just reading. So uh, these are some experts that did these rankings. And I have one request. Do it. Can we start with 250s? Yes. Okay. Okay. You're lucky. I almost went through it. So my thought is, just gonna, I'm going to read off the rankings, and we'll just kind of go down the list and say, you know, talk about what we agree with and what we don't agree with, and uh, go from there. All right. So 250s, they have number one. Should I go in reverse order? Try to make it interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So number ten, uh, Brandon Hartenraft. Okay. Nine, Cameron McAdoo. Okay. Eight. Jet Lawrence, okay. which is interesting because you know who's not on this list. I agree. That is very interesting. Uh, number seven is Alex Martin. Yep. Six is Jordan Smith. Five is Colt Nichols. Justin Cooper is number four. Number three is Chase Sexton. 
Number two, Dylan Ferrandis, and number one, Austin Forkner. So this one's interesting. I actually have more issues personally with their 250 rankings than with I, than I do with their 450 rankings. I agree. Um, so first of all, let me just uh, – I think Alex Martin's too low. Okay. Uh, I'd put him probably up number five above Colt Nichols and Jordan Smith. Okay. Um, how about Jet being on there and Hunter not? Yes, Hunter <laughs> is so pissed. He's going to be that. so angry. That's amazing. Um, what are, so what about you? What other issues do you find? Um, I have another one. I'm just gonna I'm, I'm, well, I'm taking turns. I have I have not so much an issue as much as an observation. Um, I think it's interesting that somebody who has just come off of an injury is above both riders who won the championships last year in uh, Ferrandis and Sexton. So that was going to be – that was really kind of my thing. I, I don't – I actually I, – what I'm – I guess my observation is surprising because I agree with this. I think Forkner is going to come back and he's just going to be smacking people left and right. Maybe. I, I think I'd put Ferrandez at number one. Okay. And Forkner were under two, two Sexton at number three. That's just I, – maybe as a personal thing, I just – after seeing Ferrandez and what he can do and – with my, I'm just so weary and leery, weary, leery, all of the above, yep. of riders coming off of injury. Um, very, very rarely do they come back full form. Even if they like, you know, they might be 100% healthy and they may have been training their balls off, but you know, you know, race speed is not practice speed. And um, it's different when you've got 22 other riders on the track fighting for position. It's different when there's points on the line and there's a crowd in front of you. And we've just seen time and time and time again when a rider misses significant time with injury, he does not come back and immediately, oh, right up, look where I left off. Like, it just doesn't happen. So how can you put Forkner above these two guys knowing that there's a good chance he takes at least a few races to get into form? So for me... I put for all right. So I guess the rankings for me are like who who has the best shot of like win, winning it all this 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 year, yep. and not just who's the most talented. Right. Um, so for me that puts for me that puts Ferrandez up back at number one because I just think he's he's going to be ready to go. And Forkner's my guess. I could be totally wrong. Forkner might come out and just like just look exactly like he we know he can and just start dominating. That could absolutely happen. But I am not willing to put my money there yet based on experience with injuries. Right. All right, so, um, and I'm not sure, I can't remember, I think Forkner is going to be racing against Sexton, not Ferrandis, I believe. Um, I'm going to have to look at that later. But um, in either case, he's going to be not racing against one of them. Right. Um, because uh, they will be separated east and west. Yeah, I... I do think just because of how how good Ferrandis looked in outdoor, and I know there's no there's really no correlation between outdoor and indoor. There's a tiny. There's a tiny tiny bit. bit. But um, yeah, Ferrandis. Outside of the momentum thing, though, we talked about how important confidence is. Right. And uh, I mean, I know Adam ended up winning it all, but Ferrandis was right there to the end, and yeah. he he got man, he made a push. You know, he was he was on fire for a while. So I think his confidence is like he's also the returning champ in, indoors. So I think he's probably got a lot of confidence right now and yeah. he's probably gonna, you know, come out firing. Um Justin Cooper is another one that I'm excited to see in his progression. Um really, really funny to see Jet up there and not Hunter. Very funny. Uh, like he couldn't have slotted Hunter into ten just to like right. Man, <laughs> and he, I bet he's as soon as he saw this, he probably just was like, um, I haven't seen enough of Jet yet to know <laughs> for sure. I mean, look, does he look like he could be that good, if not better? 100%. Mm-hmm. Kid, is, kid is fast. Um, am I ready to slot him into a, a top 10 like right now, no, right away? Is, no, I don't think. Way early for that. Way early. If that was Hunter, I'd feel a lot better about this list. Yeah. It's swap out Hunter and Jet. I do, I do think um, for their, well, as far as what we've seen from them so far, I do think that Hunter is just a little bit further along in his progress as a professional rider. Than yeah, Jet is. I think that's what and, it comes in, and that's totally, and that it should be that way. 
from what I've seen also, I do think that Jet may be a little bit more of a natural rider than Hunter is. So when he hits that same level of progression, will he be further along right. and, and you and know I think that's what they're trying to say with this. They're they're trying to say that Jet Jet is a um um he's a prodigy. And they they've been they've been talking about him for like a at least a year now just looking forward to him jumping up into the into the, the pro ranks so uh hunter did not get that same attention hunter won an outdoor race this this past year he's got a he's got a win under his belt dude can ride a bike um and i'm excited to see i i really like the dynamics between brothers the Martin brothers are a perfect example of this. Jeremy Martin is a touted, natural, naturally talented rider. Alex Martin is an incredibly hard worker. And before Jeremy got hurt, they were really, like, I think Jeremy Jeremy was doing pretty well before he got hurt. I oh, yeah. He, I think he won a, a race or two before he got hurt. And it was kind of early in the season, wasn't it? I don't remember. I don't remember. Back. But but it seemed like Alex and Jeremy were getting... It, it seemed like Alex was closing the gap as far as the the distance between the two of them. Um, and I, I love watching the dynamics between siblings. And that's the... So when you when you look at natural talent is important i think to be a successful rider um but it only gets you so far right. you know there is a ceiling on natural talent and if you are a rider who has you know gobs of natural talent and you never do anything with it um you might still be fairly successful yeah. now if you are a rider who is less naturally talented um but you work your absolute balls off to reach the next level, I think your ceiling is so much higher than somebody who doesn't. Um, now, if you're a naturally talented rider who also happens to work hard, a la Ricky Carmichael, you could be the best ever. <laughs> right. Well, and I, I actually, I think Jeremy Martin falls falls into that too. I, I mean, dude has, he's won championships. Yep. Um, so it, it's not to say that Jeremy Martin is not a hard worker. Let's see. Two-time AMA Pro Motocross 250 championship uh, champion in 2015 and 2014. He was the runner-up in 2017 and the 2018 AMA. Oh man, he came in 13th in 2018, which is the year I think. Yeah, he got hurt. So he still he still placed in 13th after. <laughs> so he was doing well that year. Um. So not to say that he's not a hard worker. Jeremy Martin is clearly a hard worker. Um, I just always find the interesting the balance between natural talent and hard work. Yeah. And how how much further I think hard work can get you if you do it right than you know natural talent can only get you so far before you have to start working hard yeah. to get further. What I what I find most interesting is that these siblings who you would think probably have at least very similar upbringings end up in very different spots. Um, you know, Jeremy Martin has won several, you know, almost won three um, motocross champions championships. Um, Alex Martin has not. Um, they're pretty close in age. You'd think that they would have very similar upbringings and probably be in a very similar spot, but they're not. Another one, the Stewart brothers. And you want to talk about like what happened there? Yeah, I, I there is an age difference. Yeah, um, it's. Uh, a pretty significant age difference so there's you know there's some parity there and you also think too maybe at that point you know there was so much focus on Bubba's career that right. you know maybe Malcolm didn't get quite the same attention to detail that Bubba got at, yeah. that, at that age you know like I think there's there could be a lot of reasons there but especially brothers who are fairly close in age like Hunter and Jet are are I know Hunter's older I think they're, um, yeah, I think they're but, within two years. but they're yeah they're close enough to where you think like which is going what I think is actually going to make uh, actually um, and I think Jeremy and Alex are pretty close in age, too. I think they're within a couple of years of each other. But these two, I mean, Hunter has, Hunter's been through one full pro season. 
No, I, I definitely agree. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see their careers kind of progress together. Um, 450s? Let's move on to 450s. 450s. All right, so same thing. I'll run through the top 10 in reverse order, and then we'll talk about it. Uh, I have much less of an issue with their rankings in the 450s, um, probably because they're more established. It's easier to kind of rank some of these guys. But number 10 is Dean Wilson. Nine is Blake Baggett. Eight is Malcolm Stewart. Seven is Justin Barsha. Six is Zach Osborne. Five is Jason Anderson. Adam Cianciarulo is already being ranked number four. Ken Roxon at number three. Cooper Webb, the returning champ, is actually number two because Eli Tomac is number one. Um, the reason I don't have much of a problem with this, I'm going to be honest, is I just think Eli's the best rider out there and has the best chance to win it. And, yeah. you know. It's going to be his to give away. Yeah. He, he will be at number one until he says otherwise. It, Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but no, some under in your know, Malcolm Stewart cracking up into that top 10. It's pretty good to see. Uh, Barsha up at number seven, I think, is probably where he belongs right now. Yeah. Um, I don't agree with Roxon being below Webb. I was going to say the same thing. I think that was the only one. I get it, dude. He's a defending champ. You got to give him some, some, some credit there. But I, if you, again, actually, I said this earlier. If you were to say, Steve, put money right now on Roxon versus Webb for who you think would have a better chance of winning the championship this year, I'm taking Roxon. Yeah, me too. So, uh, two so for him. Yeah, I would I would swap two and three, and I would swap four and five. Yeah, I don't I don't like putting Adam Cianciarulo that high, having had one Monster Energy Cup on a 450 with zero other competition besides Eli. Right. Um, but, uh, granted. He looks really good. That one competition, <laughs> you know. If you're gonna if you're gonna have only one person to compete against, it might as well be the the, the best the best rider on the rider yeah. on, in the field. So yeah, I can see that. I just think he's gotta prove a little bit more before he's that high up on the list. I I agree, but then I also feel weird putting Jason Anderson up at number four. <laughs> I I just I, I have lost a lot of confidence in Anderson as a professional. I look, I get it. He's won. He's won a Supercross championship, but it just feels like once he won that championship, he was like, "Okay, well, I won one. I'm just gonna just gonna chill now." Like yeah. it doesn't not almost feel like he's lost a little bit of his edge since he's won that, or maybe it was the injury, or I I, I just don't know what it was, but I just I've lost a little bit of faith in Anderson's ability to compete with those other top three riders. And I'm yeah. saying three because we agree Sansarulo hasn't done anything yet. So call it the big three, you know, Tomac Webb Roxon. Um, you know, if Marvin was there, I'd put Marvin up above there them too. You know, I just right. but then again, who do you put ahead of Jason Anderson? It's not Osborne or Barsha. Right. Yeah, and Anderson, you know, he's he he has had injuries since then too. So there's there's that to take into consideration. Right. Um but I agree with you. He he did take a massive step back as far as his drive. Um so he won that championship. And that's what I'm kind of so I'm looking at, you know, like 1 2 and 3 I think have significant chance to win the entire thing this year. Yep. Um especially with Eli <sighs> We'll get to predictions later. Yeah. Um, but then there's there's the unknown at Adam Cianciarulo, and then the drop-off for me from that three. We're taking out Cianciarulo for now. So the drop-off from Ken Roxon to Jason Anderson, to me, and the rest of that field is significant. Yeah. Yeah, unless he unless he's back. Because Anderson's one of those people I, I think he does have the potential to run with those top three. If he has uh, – actually, Osborne – Osborne is another one that I think has the potential to run with those top three. And um, that's that's the thing about this this lineup. This lineup is all over the map. Justin Barsha, I think consistently, bam, he's right there, right at that number seven, that number seven spot. Sianzu Rulo and Stewart are kind of unknowns as far as jumping into this season. Zach Osborne and Anderson, I believe, have the potential and this is this is where we get into this the potential thing. <coughs> oh, jeez. All right, there, buddy. <coughs> I'm okay. I promise, I'm okay. So um, Zach Osborne and Jason Anderson, I think that ha- I think they have the upside to run with those top three. And even Wilson, 
Um, Wilson actually is one of those guys who he will just flash every once in a while. Yeah, he'll flash, and and he's one of those guys whose injuries have just kind of taken. He's had it pretty rough. Yeah, they've taken hold of his career. Um, There's one guy that I haven't mentioned in this, and that is Baggett. Um, and who they, uh, yeah, Baggett's first name is not Black, by the way. Oh my God, they do. They missed. (laughs) That's a typo. Black Baggett. Um, hey, Blake. Um, Blake Baggett is one of those guys. I don't think I don't think Blake Baggett just has the potential to run with those top three. I think Blake Baggett actually has the upside to beat all three of them on their best day. The problem is, is Blake Baggett hits that upside so infrequently that it's you can't even put him any higher than that. And it's really unfortunate because I loved watching El Chupacabra just run through the pack in his 250 days where he was, and he was competing against Roxon and Tomac in his 250 days. And he would, he would be halfway through a moto or halfway through a main event and he'd be like in 15th and all of a sudden he'd just turn on the jets and just blow by everybody. Um, and I haven't seen him do that yet. Uh, maybe once or twice. Yeah, there's been like one or two races where we're like, oh, that's right, that's Blake, right. Blake Baggs really is still races. Bad. He's still pretty quick. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, and and other than that, there's been – it's weird. Sometimes you'll see him up front. You're like, oh, okay, maybe this is where we're going to see Blake. And then suddenly just Tomac passes him, Roxon yeah. passes him, Webb passes him, Anderson passes him. Next thing you know, he's dropping. You're like, this is What's not – what is going on? Yeah. Because you, he is that fast. He really is that fast. And that's – I think that's the biggest thing with this lineup is you have three really three riders who consistently put themselves up there and that's where really the drop off is and the drop off is is inconsistency because you've got a bunch of riders with the potential to run up there. Barsha's won races. Um, Malcolm's looked really good. Osborne, Anderson's a champion, you know, like so all of these guys have shown that they are capable of running up with the front, like you said. Um, you're right. It's those top three that have shown the most consistency with um, with their riding, and that's why you know Sanciarulo is still an unknown. So we're just we're kind of excluding him. But that drop off, man, for me this year it's significant, and that is why the 250s might be a far more interesting set, series of championships yeah, than the 450s. Although, I mean, as long as Cooper, Ken, and Eli stay healthy and consistent, that's going to be a really fun battle to watch. Yeah. Because I think Cooper's going to steal some. I think Ken's going to steal some. Eli's obviously going to have – like, it, when does Eli get hot? Is he going to be hot to start the season and rattle off seven, eight wins in a row and then fall off? Or is he going to start slow like he has a few times and then have to, like, find it midseason and rattle off 10 and hope to God he can catch up in points again? Or did he just dominate this year, you know? So, speaking of this year. It could go in any one of those. You just, you just never know. Well, let's talk about what we think is going to happen. Um to wrap up the podcast, let's do some predictions. Okay. Um, what do you want to start with? Um, 250. 250? We're going to 250. All right. So um, hang on. Let me see if I can get the uh, – nope, that's not going to do it. Man, they haven't even announced – because sometimes these, sometimes these riders flop back and forth between east and west because they decide they want to compete against somebody rather than somebody else. Right, right. Um, but I, I, to this point, I don't have a uh, east-west lineup, even for. Um, All right, so let's do. I've got 2019, so I mean, we can we can basically go off of last year. Where's Forkner slotted? Where was he racing before he got hurt? Um, Forkner was in East. And Forkner, even after getting hurt, he still took third. That's impressive. Yeah, <laughs> that's impressive. All right. Um. So so let's uh so let's start in the West actually. Um. So the I'll give you the top. Um, give me your top three I'll for the you, season. Well, I'm, just so we can talk about what happened last year, and we can talk about what happened going forward. I'll give you the the top five for 2019 in the West. Okay. La, uh, from last year, you have Ferrandis. Yep. Sancho Rulo. Okay. Colt Nichols. Okay. R.J. Hampshire. Okay. Cameron McAdoo. Okay. Those are your top five. 
in Hampshire went up, didn't he? Because he's not. He, I, I think he went up. Um, replaced somebody because he's not. He's not on this list at all. Cameron McAdoo is, but um, I'm almost positive he did. Okay. So, well, right. we'll, have to, we'll have to look forward for that one. So, so obviously you've got Ferrandis over here. You've got Colt Nichols. Um, uh, for me, with no Rulo in the West, it's a it's a no brainer Ferrandis on that one. So I'm gonna go. Oh, you, you go first. You want me to go first? You got you got first. Um, do you want the do you want the top ten lineup so you have riders to pick from? No, I'm just gonna give you my top three. Okay. My predictions for top three riders this year in in championship order. Um, and because predictions are usually wrong anyway, I'm gonna throw a wrench. I I'm gonna go. Wait, Cooper, right? Cooper Cooper's is, is in the East. Unless he flops, that's possible. I thought. Never mind. Just kidding. Yeah. So Ferrandis. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna try to throw a wrench and be like, I think Cooper's gonna step up, take out Ferrandis, and you know, no, he's not. So, um. All right. So you just want to just want to just who's gonna win the championship in each in each class? Uh, yeah. All right. I am in agreement. Ferrandis is gonna run away with that one. I, I don't even think it's gonna be close, especially without Cianciarulo. Up to That's what I'm saying, and and Cooper's not Cooper's in the East, because yeah. I, I think honestly, you know, if well, so what if Fork, Forkner ends up in the West? You said he raced East last time, right? Before, right? Yeah, Forkner's in the East. Um, I mean, if he flops, that could be an interesting. Yeah, that'll make things interesting. His hometown is Missouri, so chances are he's probably staying East. But, but then again, Dakotas is racing in the West, and he's from Peabody, Massachusetts, so. They can flop back and forth. Right. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna play as if they're racing in the same same thing. And that and so we've got on the east the top five. You've got Chase Sexton, mm-hmm. Justin Cooper, okay. Austin Forkner, Davalos, who obviously moved up. We talked about that earlier. And Alex Martin. Where are the Lawrence brothers racing? I don't know, man. I don't know. My guess is they're probably gonna race in the West. Okay, so my top three for the West is Ferrandis and the Lawrence Brothers. Because <laughs> All right. All right. I don't think there's any other real competition for him. And I think, uh, you know, Jet might take a little bit of time to get used to it. But I just, yeah. how, how, I think it'd be, I mean, Cooper had a great, he was second last year, right? In the, in the West. So, yeah, you know what? That's my prediction. I'm going to go Ferrandis, Jet, Hunter in the West. Hunter's going to be mad. He's going to be mad. All right, so who you got in the East? Justin Cooper. Justin Cooper. I'm. I'm. I think that I've seen. I have seen enough from Justin Cooper to think that he can take the next step. And I mean, he already has a you know top two finish in the standing. So and we know we saw how what he did against Ferrandis and Cianciarulo last year in the outdoors, yeah. which I thought was really impressive with those two riders. So um, I think Cooper takes the next step and takes the championship. And then I will go Forkner, then Sexton. Okay. Um, I think. Forkner takes number one. I think he gets 230 points. Ferrandis, by the way, got 226 last year. Um, it's not often that a, a rider takes 220 points in, the, in a season. I think I think Forkner goes even more. Yeah, it's not even, it's not even going to be close. No, it's not even going to be close. Um, I think Forkner goes, goes one, Cooper goes two, and Sexton goes three. All right, so we just swapped the top two. Yep. I'm I, so really what it comes down to is it looks like I'm putting more faith in Cooper's progression and less faith in Forkner returning from injury quickly and you're just like no nah, this dude's gonna come in and just stop just stomp. Yep. All right, that's gonna that nice. I like it. It's gonna let's see what happens. It's gonna be oh I'm so excited for the 250s this year. I can't believe I never say that. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's so weird because when you start and this is the great thing about the sport is they're starting to put a little bit more stock in the futures. Yep. So when you put stock in the futures, then you can actually watch the progression of these riders, and you actually get attached to them. You get their backstories, and the, yeah. So they're. I mean, the the Lawrence brothers are a great example of that. Lawrence brothers are a great example of that, and they're not even homegrown; they're international. So, um, it's it's 
that's pretty impressive, actually. Yeah. I mean, as far as the story goes, right? Yeah. Like, now we know we, we, we saw Jed a little bit in the amateurs, and now he's up as a pro, and now we're going to follow these brothers through their entire careers, yeah. and it's it's, it's going to make things – there's an attachment there. And then you're going to have Jet versus Hunter, you know, fan groups right. of, like, this one's yeah. better, that one's Team Jet. Yeah, right. And it's going to be so much fun to, to kind of watch and, and, well, and see watch progress. Out for those team shirts. Yeah, it's <laughs> that's we gotta get that power to the ground on the front, and then like Team Jet, Team Hunter on the back, and see which one gets more sales, and then post those results to Hunter's Instagram page. <laughs> uh, Four fifty predictions. I know I said I was gonna like shock everyone. I'm, I'm not. I think Eli breaks through this year. I don't think that there's enough competition. I don't think there's enough deep competition. Um, and it's not that Webb or Roxon can't. Obviously, they're incredibly talented. They they are capable of it. I think this year Eli puts it together, and I think he breaks through his wall. For me, I'm going Tomac, Roxon, Webb, top three. Tomac, Roxon. Yeah, Roxon. because again, oh, I'm sorry. I I take one thing back. Tomac, Roxon, Ciancerulo. Okay. I think Ciancerulo has takes the season to get used to things. And even though he's an unknown by the end of the season, my prediction is that he figures it out and I feel like he can pull off third and points. And I just, I don't know what it is about Cooper, Dan. Like I know he's a defending champ and he put it together last year, but I think Roxon come back strong. And I think Ciancerulo has a good year. So Tomac, Roxon, Ciancerulo is my top three. Okay. Well, I'm going to use the past to predict the future. And I'm going to say that Tomac goes ahead and the, allows somebody else to beat him <laughs> in Supercross. And I'm going to say that that person is Roxon. So my top three is going to be Roxon, Tomac. It's tough, isn't it? You have no idea what Ciancerulo can do right. yet on a 450. I mean, some idea. I'm going to put Webb there. So I'm going to go Roxon, Tomac, Webb. I think every for the past the, this will oh four yeah the past three years past three years Tomac has been the dominant rider in in Supercross and he has allowed one rider to sneak that championship from him it was Dungey it was Anderson and it was Webb. And I think this year is Roxon's year. <laughs> right, just pickpocket it right from his back pocket. I think for me it's those when you know he's the best and the fastest. I'm just going to bet on him every year. And one of these years I feel like I'm going to be right. <laughs> maybe not this year. Maybe not next year. But I, he he can't retire without a Supercross championship. He's just too talented. He's so fast. Yeah. He's so good. He could be one of the best riders ever if he just puts it together i think he's had enough i think he puts the hammer down he's got four outdoors in a row he knows he can do it they didn't do motocross and nations this year which i still think was uh tomac saying i'm focusing on on supercross um i'm getting ready for the season i think he's taking it seriously he's going to have cianza rulo pushing him and nipping at his heels much like webb just like hey marvin i'm here Marvin's right. like, crap i gotta i gotta step my game up and got hurt because of it i think tomac being pushed by cianza rulo the pressure of it just building and not having one i i I got to think at some point he figures it. Even Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl at some point. I think he finally puts it together. And for me, because the field isn't quite as deep as it has been in past years, I think this is his best opportunity to do it. We still don't fully know if Roxon's 100% back yet. He's close. And if he is back, that's going to be who pushes him. I saw flashes of him in outdoor that just looked like him. That's right, but they were flashes yet. What I'm looking for is the consistency. If he gets back to doing that on a weekly basis, then absolutely, Tomac has some serious competition. There is a chance I'm not giving Cooper Webb enough credit. I I I fully admit that. I just even when he was winning the championship, I was like, meh. (laughs) Something about him just doesn't feel like he's one of the best. I just don't understand. It was a default win, and that's that's what I'm. That's what these default wins have become such. A consistent pattern for Eli Tomac. Tomac not winning a Supercross championship has it's almost become a tangible embodiment, as if there is an extra rider on the track, and it's like anti-Tomac. 
It's like he's riding against what's the the bad Superman, the uh, Bizarro. Bizarro. Super, it's, it's like there's a Bizarro Tomac that he is racing against on the track that just takes him out. I but I think you're right that Bizarro Tomac is himself and his own mental, um, we you know shortcomings when it comes to the pressure towards the end there. Um, but at some point, I, I, I guess my only point is like you're absolutely right, and and. If that happens this year, I will not be surprised. If Roxon wins because Tomac throws it away, I'm not going to be surprised. I'll be a little disappointed, but I'm not going to be surprised. Um, I'm just going with when does he put it together? Because he's going to. He has to. Like I just, I just don't envision a future where we look back and go, man, Tomac could have been the best, but he never even won one Supercross game. I just can't envision that as a future. I could see it being a great story of like, it took him a while to put it together, but man, when he put it together, it was great. Right. I feel like that is the more likely scenario. And again, with a, with a less deep field than in past years, this is his best chance to break down that barrier. Looking forward to it, man. It's going to be fun. This is going to be a fun, fun season. So, that being said... We are taking a small break for the holidays. Um, when we come back, when we come back after the holidays, it will be to review Anaheim 1, dude. I am so excited. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, – man, I can't believe it's, – it feels like it's been forever since we've reviewed a race. And I'm so looking forward to it. I know it was just – it was just – Just a couple months, months ago. Just two months ago. It was just a couple months ago. Monster, when there's energy code. Monster Energy stuff, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, we're taking a break. We'll be coming back the day after Anaheim One to talk about Anaheim One. Yes. yes. Uh, no injuries. Fingers crossed. No injuries. If there is an injury in the top few riders in the 450s, man, it's not going to be a fun season no, for them. Um, so hopefully everybody is healthy, makes it through this year. Um, guys, thank you so much for your support this year. Getting yeah. things kind of kicked off and. Just a couple of extra things. We have, um, there's been some redesigns on our website. Um, if you're not familiar with our website, if you're just coming into this, uh, this um, podcast, please jump over to power2theground.com. We've got some new merch over there. Um, any purchases that you guys make on the website go directly back into the growth of this podcast. We're trying to reach as many people as possible. So please jump over there. We will have our Jug Club starting soon. Um, the uh, the Jug Club, they're just these freaking black um, jugs that you can take with you to the track. They've just got the, uh, the Power to the Ground logo on them. Um, the Jug Club is just going to be a monthly subscription, so Steve and I can continue to make the content that we're making and even start making a little bit more. Um, once we start getting a little bit more behind this and then uh, with your guys help we can uh, we can grow this and we can actually make a legitimate media outlet for these sports um, and we can't do that without your guys help so please jump over to the website uh, we have a new chat over there feel free to uh, reach up to us on the chat give us any um, feedback that you might have uh, in um, improving the website because um, Yes, I do this professionally. Uh, I do marketing professionally, but um, you know, more heads are better than one. Yeah, absolutely. So um, subscribe, share, uh, tell your friends, listen, all all of the above. Check out the socials. Jump on the website. Buy the merch if you want something. We got some pretty cool stuff on there. Like Jesse just said. Um, in the meantime, enjoy your holidays. Be with your families. Have a happy new year because the next time we come back is going to be 2020. Look forward to Anaheim. And looking forward to Anaheim 1. Jesse, enjoy the break, and uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks, man. See you guys.